Hi, I'm Mad Kate, and you're listening to Sweat. Sex, work, extraction, art, theatrics. Sweat is a series of conversations about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body at work, where work is defined as the labor of survival, the labor of care, creativity, and capital A, art. How exactly do we define our work, and how does that work entangle and circumscribe our sexual identities, our creative lives, and the ways in which we provide care? How do we perform? Tasks, acts of care, and identities. My hope is that these conversations are a mean to speak between intersectionalities by anchoring in common space, as sexualized bodies, as working bodies, as artistic bodies, as performative bodies. When I'm not the artist, I think I have to just survive. <laughs> when I'm artist, I think I have more power to control the situations, especially when I perform, that I'm aware of the environment and then I have a little bit more power to control. Today I'll be sharing a conversation I had with Hiroko Tsushimoto. She's a Japanese-born, Stockholm-based artist caring about and working with humans and more than human entities. Over the past 10 years, she's been producing performances with audience participation, both on stage and in public spaces. Yet her interest is currently shifting from front stage to rehearsals and behind the scenes, from egology to ecology, from production-oriented to research-based, and from watering houseplants to touching soil. Being an artist, sometimes like, you know, I get invited to embassy or I get, you know, invited to fancy press or, but also lots of self-organizing, invisible work, but still, you know, the artist has community and also the history and institutions around that support me to survive as human, let's say, but this day job, I think I feel not fully human there. In this conversation from 2021, sitting in the residency house of Perfocraze International in Kumasi, Ghana, you might hear the sounds of domesticity, of daily care, of a baby crying, of the rain pouring down. Sitting there, I asked Hiroko to think about the moment that she became an artist and what allowed her to transition from the identity that was not artist to the identity that is artist. What gives a body the power to call oneself into the subjectivity of capital A, artist? I consider that 2008 is the first year I kind of accepted, or I could say that I'm artist because I had exhibition. At the beginning, or like I start uh, study textile, in art school, so it was like more craft practices. But then it, uh, step by step, I switching into performance art, let's say. Um, so I used my presence. I don't know if I use a body, but it's like a presence in my work quite often. When I'm not the artist, I think I have to just survive. <laughs> When I'm artist, I think I have more power to control the situations, especially when I perform, that I'm aware of the environment and then I have a little bit more power to control. 
Do you feel like you are the one defining yourself as the artist or is this idea coming from somebody on the outside or an institution or? I think education I went through. Then I can say, I can say that I'm an artist because of that. But of course I have another, another me saying that education is not the most important things. But I have to be just honest that since I had education, Yet it's craft education, but I continue claim myself I'm a visual artist. At one point that actually people don't consider me as a textile artist anymore. Uh, so of course, even though I said I had education, but actually I don't have fine, fine art education. Yeah, so yeah, actually I struggle quite a while to be able to define me as a, an artist, not a textile artist or fiber artist or artist who work with textile or just like artist is some, something that I wanted to be. And uh, <laughs> at some point that I decided to say so. Does it have something to do with surviving? Are you able to survive from your art? Uh, not only from art. I had a day job. Uh, I still have. Currently, I'm studying uh, at postmaster course, so I could get a study support. But then, always like a constantly that my asking myself that how to survive after that. Mm. Um, for from 2012 to 20, 2018, I was working quite a lot. At the, at the shop. Uh, I'm still working in the weekend, but I'm, I want to change my directions that even probably I need another day job, but, uh, this, this, this job takes so much energy for me. But also, it's another, of course, it's another type of body, but another type of, um, relate to society. To, to Swedish society, selling a design craft products, also textile. So it's not considered as a lowest pay job. I think many people also want to get this job, but I could get this job because I get the support from like a work agencies that uh, they have a program for immigrants to pay part of the salary. And I could get this support from, from states. So I could study Swedish and then I could work uh, at the same time in 2012 when just after I finished my education in Sweden. Okay. But then it was huge, huge, huge transitions that I studied in English, but in English, like express myself in English in academic environment is another challenge. Also switching from textile art to visual art. And then plus I have to study Swedish, which I have no idea. No idea about this language. And then I have to start from scratch. And, and then suddenly I, I'm consider myself as an immigrant. Before it was like a student, uh, international student. And then like I'm an immigrant. And then I see another part of Swedish society that to spend more time with non, non-Swedish 
environment um, within the Swedish society framework, it was very, very tough, uh, actually. Wow. Like, I lost my confidence quite a lot. People treat me... I mean, a Swedish class, people treat me like a child, I felt like. I don't. I never feel com- comfortable. Also, at the job, since I don't speak Swedish well, people are really, like... Even now, people don't treat me 100% human, I must say. Even though I work at this shop almost like nine years, so I have quite a knowledge about it. I have, I know quite a lot, lot about product and also the system. I have answer, but I probably I don't, I cannot explain properly. And then I'm not, I don't look like Swedish people. So people constantly asking like if I am able to speak Swedish or English or if I'm able to communicate even. So every time I, I, I work at the shop, I have to really, really, really calm down that I'm still okay. I'm an artist and I'm, I'm not only working at the shop. Like taking so much my integrity somehow that just being and then also I took a lot of responsibility to clean and organize the shop because that is the things that I can contribute without any language and I'm I can be considered as consider being good at it yeah I, I, I learn a lot about Swedish society by working at the shop rather than being artist. Mm. Being artist, sometimes like, you know, I get invited to embassy or I get, you know, invited to fancy place or, but also lots of self-organizing, invisible work, but still, you know, the artist has community and the, also the history and institutions around that support, support me to survive as human, let's say, but this day job, I think I feel not fully human there. Yeah, I'm very tired of encouraging myself being there, actually. And I feel that it's difficult, that difficulty to belong to Swedish society. Hiroko and I spoke about English as a language of power and access and about her choice to rather improve academic English than improve Swedish because of the access it might give her in the art world. And the knowledge, to access the knowledge, and also actually power. But I cannot see that to get... I mean, I don't want to be a powerful person, but I think I need a certain kind of power to survive. Otherwise, I constantly be treated as less than Swedish people, Probably I'm not able to reach that level to to be considered as a professional or doesn't need to be professional neither, but that just like, you know, to be listened, to have a space to speak, uh, to be treated as a, you know, pro- proper person. That's I couldn't imagine if I'm in Japan because I'm a majority and I know where I come came from 
I think I get a lot of benefit from my background. So I, I thought it will be easier. People don't discriminate so obviously, mm -hmm. but it's just so like small details, small, small things that it's really uh, trigger me. And then I question myself that it's my problem that to focus on small things. And it's very difficult to explain to, to Swedish colleagues. And also I don't have a vocabulary to explain. And it's a, there's no place to problematize those personal struggle, I guess. But then like the artist me is able to work with this kind of topic or directly, indirectly. Are there things that you feel you're able to analyze or think about that you experience in the shop that come into your work as an artist or that you're able to process through your art? I start to be more interested in in the political aspect, of course, why this structure. So I, I also study immigration. Then I start understanding what's the notion of home, belonging, longing, diaspora studies and such. So then to, to listen to other people's experiences made me think that it's not only my personal problem. That was a big, big, great help. Do you notice that you embody a different kind of body when you're in a, this work situation in particular versus when you're in your artistic body or you're being validated as an artist? Even within this day job context, I also change quite a lot. Sometimes I am very, very like nice and kind, but sometimes I don't want to do it. I use my like lowest voice and then like, hey really want to perform in different person. On the other hand, I think the artist me try to be funny, but also I'm also struggling with using the art, art world language. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, I don't feel really belong to that neither. I feel like it's in a, in a way it's very connected, like both same me, but since I'm using different languages, uh, I don't feel like it's so disconnected. And then also I, I have this Japanese speaking persona. Mm -hmm. So I have maybe roughly three, like Swedish and English and then Japanese. All different, I must say, all different purposes, but also caring other people or how I want to relate to other people. The artist me, maybe <laughs> I focus on like, how can I carry out my research and practices and then I need to collaborate with people, so I, I take initiative or I try to be humble to listen to. So this is also like, there's a, another role planning happening within the artistic practices. Yeah, it's there's own ecology within those three different uh, me, I guess. And in your Japanese persona, when are you able to exercise that? In which contexts and how do you embody that? I think that part is uh, maybe I don't need to define. Like I have free space just being. I don't need to perform so much. Perhaps that's the answer. I don't feel like I'm performing. And what about the gendered body, the sexualized body? How, does, how do you perceive yourself in these contexts? 
I'm aware of my gender, which I, lo- I belong to, more in the Japanese context. There is some kind of way to speak as a woman.、Mm. And also, the, the age difference is also very, very important. So, usually, when I, when I talk to older men, then I have to perform younger women. But I think, yeah, so I'm more attentive about how to talk in, in Japanese. In English and Swedish,、uh, it's out of control. <laughs> Sometimes I have to just, you know, communicate, <laughs> like to tell something I want to, I need to tell. So I'm not so aware of how to perform my gender within the context. I think so. I'm more liberate myself in, in English or like in artist me and day job me. I think it's,、uh, I, Yeah, I'm more free in that way. But in Japan, I'm very aware of like, how I walk and how,、uh, how I present myself. Also, probably I, my voice is a bit my, more higher, higher than speaking in, Jap- in English and Swedish. I try not to take so much space as well, that also the, the body size is different. Uh, yeah, yeah.、Mm. I'm, I'm taller than average, and also I'm maybe my body size is also slightly bigger than the average. So I feel like I don't want to take so much space. So many smaller, smaller, thinner people around.、Uh, also, the architectures are smaller, the, the kitchens are lower, and toilets also lower. So I'm Aware that、uh, um, I'm a little bit more than average. <laughs> yeah. But of course, the Sweden, Swedish environment, that I don't feel that way. Even in the art world, does the art world ever make you feel like you take too much or too little space? I often felt smaller space, maybe until a few years ago, but I'm finding、uh, my own space to take <laughs> without any concern. But it takes time that、uh, I saw this pattern that、uh, I cannot join, I cannot jo- participate in if I don't、uh, express myself properly. But also, I, I change my fashion very consciously.、Uh, yeah,、uh, there's a different dress code in different contexts. So I, I'm aware that I'm playing around. Yeah, I, I go into more neutral fashion to be considered as. Fully human in artist, artist context.、Uh, but also, I'm very try to be neat in, in a, at the job. I think I'm a little bit self conscious that if I need to clean the, the shop before opening, and I'm convincing myself quite often that, yeah, but people don't consider me as a cleaner since I'm wearing this clothes. And I know that I don't need to care about it. I have a big, I mean, I don't look down on, on cleaners. I love to clean. But it's just like I don't want to only be a cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I'm also signaling that I'm very culturally aware. Maybe I belong to cultural world. That's kind of signaling <laughs> I need to perform with like fashion. What you wear at the shop, is it different than what you wear as an artist? Yeah, it's almost the same. 
maybe I change my like shoes a little bit because I, I, if I'm really ambitious, I think it's more earthy tone, <laughs> bluish, and black, lots of black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I, if I'm really serious, I go into black and white in the art outfield and uh, and the shop maybe a little bit more patterns and <laughs> uh, colors and. And such. Do you ever invite people from the artistic field to the shop? Many artists friends come accidentally. So, ah, you work here. Yeah. So that's also a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe sometimes that I'm, I have to explain that I'm. This is my day job, and then you know, and then like probably they also feel uncomfortable to see me. So I have to just like ease their discomfort as well. Before this time, before you became an artist, mm-hmm. before you were studying, yeah, or maybe while you were studying, studying. Mm-hmm. when did you become a a working body, a body that had to work to survive? It's it's an interesting question. I start working, but just to save money for tra- traveling. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the starting, and I I think I was lucky that I could do it. But then. Uh, my first day job, not day job, it was night job, <laughs> was um, the, it's called snack, but it's like a hostess bar. And I didn't know that this, there's a big defi- like definitions. It's called water trade industry. That's included all the sexual, sex workers, the sex industries. But uh, starting from this small, like a uh, hostess bar, is also included. It's like a nighttime job. Japan, there is like a daytime job and or daytime life and then like nighttime life. I'm selling uh, different things in the, that context, not uh, selling the food or drink simply. People come here to talk to me or talk to other colleagues. So I, I was selling more like emotional labor. Yeah, that was my first job, and uh, it's a higher salary than bartender or waitress. So that's why I sing karaoke. So I, I sing karaoke together with the customers. Then also they buy drink to me, and then I have to drink. But that's the then it's becoming a hostess, like more proper hostess club. There's also host club. And then going into more sexual part. So some piece, some places you can touch the body or some, some places maybe you have more physical relationship with customers. And then another part is like people come for more sexual purpose. So there's a diff- like a gradations. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And were you, um, were you able to, or what were your particular boundaries and borders on this job? I don't need to sit next to them. The hosts, hostess club, you, you, there's a sofa and the table, and you are, you need to sit next to the customers. So there's physically close. But the snack bar, it's called snack bar, there's a mama, and the mama and me are in the bar part. So we just talk by stand, like I stand, not sit down next to them. So that's a physical position is very different. Wow. And this is also, this is a known thing. There's codes 
there's signals there. They also know they come into a snack bar. So there's a certain limitation on what they can actually employ you for. Yeah, they don't so come here to sleep with me, for example. They don't have this expectation. And the snack bar is more local oriented. So the mama also lives in the local. So the mama has a local network. But on the other hand, there's a hostess bar club is more city oriented. So there's no such a mama who are locally oriented. The maybe the guy owns and then the 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 young girls comes and work. So there's not much local engagement. But the snack bar is you can find a small town. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. So how did you feel like your body in that context was sexualized? I was not required to wear a certain costume. I could just wear what I have. And then I have like a bit strange hairstyle at that time. And then like the mama have to explain that, yeah, she's art student. So therefore a little bit, you know, specific style. But uh, <laughs> I, I am quite good at talking to the customers in, the, in that kind of context. So were you able to survive from that job? Yeah, this is more to 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 get money for my extra things. So, so the basic one, it's just, it depends on, of course, the family. But pretty, I mean, parents are expected. Many parents are expected to save money for the the kids to go to university and support their uh, living cost until graduate. Mm -hmm. But but uh, I know that many. Students cannot afford uh, that kind of, I mean, st st study fee and such. Mm -hmm. Then they have to work at night time. Uh, mm -hmm. Like hostess club is a very, very common, uh, not common, but a place that you can earn money pretty quickly. But it's very demanding since it's night time. But maybe you can just work three days a week instead of every day, every night. Then you get uh, way more than you need to. Mm -hmm. You can get 5,000 euro if you are really good at it mm -hmm. per month. Like wow. Even, yeah. So, wow. th so that depends. Uh, there's a different level of earning. Well, my snack bar thing was just a little bit more than average. It's not really <laughs> good pay, but uh, um, yeah, if I have to survive, that's another thing. That, but then probably the salary is the same as uh, what I'm earning now okay. <laughs> at the shop. What so, do you earn now, if I may ask? Uh, 147, maybe Swedish krona per hour. Okay. Like around like 14 or 15 euro mm -hmm. per hour. Mm -hmm. Would you have? Would you say you have other survival techniques that come to mind? When you um, yeah, apply residency, and then artist in residency, and then I get to, I can apply for the grant from Swedish art institutions. Then, if I have like one one month uh, residency, which can covered by art institution, but that's a, actually lots of process and. Uh, but I really want to change this way of working. 
Um, it, this is not sustainable. Also, I don't want to travel so much uh, anymore after uh, yeah, this COVID things happened. And uh, uh, also the environmental impact I make I made while I'm traveling. So I'm, I'm thinking actually that maybe I want to do the uh, education to become a gardener. I consider at least before coming here. Maybe that is something like I'm interested in and maybe I can motivate to study Swedish and study high school subjects like science and stuff like that <laughs> or like biology or plants but may maybe that's it's a of course like investment mm -hmm. yeah maybe something i want to work with like with mm -hmm. my body also the gardening it's also with my body directly touching to the soil and the plants and the but also have a critical perspectives on gardening. So I would like to, yeah, I can connect with my artistic practices, I guess. It's interesting because it's kind of like a place where your worker and artistic selves could maybe co-mingle mm -hmm, in mm -hmm. this gardening. Yeah. <laughs> or in your idea of what you would like to be as a gardener, mm. perhaps. And I don't need to deal with people. Well, mm. I need to do it at certain point, but uh, I don't need to entertain people. I think I can focus on something else. Then I can learn language, mm -hmm. maybe, mm -hmm. to 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 be able to contribute to something else rather than also consumerism and capitalism. One, of course, big things, and you cannot get away fully get away from that. But I don't need to. Um, facilitate that part but uh, maybe the gardening can be another way of surviving yeah interesting do you feel like as an artist you miss this are you able to express yourself physically the way you'd like to right now this tangible touching earth touching plants mm. i think i'm not able to engage enough to one place i can research and uh, you know draw things but i think this engagement like long-term engagement i would like to do it like one like land and soil and understanding getting more knowledge and also unlearning <laughs> i think artistic practice is a little bit more reading and writing and uh, becoming critical and not much engagement on one single thing. I think I'm also missing touching things since also like I came from textile background and I, I'm not really, you know, crafty person, hand knitting, not, not that kind of person, but I miss touching with some other things. You've just heard from Hiroko Tsushimoto. I had the pleasure of speaking with her at Perfocre's International Artist Residency in 2021 in Kumasi, Ghana. You'll find more about her work in the show notes. 
You've been listening to Sweat, a podcast about performance and performativity of the sexual and sexualized body at work. Sweat was produced by me, Mad Kate. The theme music was composed by me and features the voice of performer and actress Lori Baldwin. If you like this podcast, please leave us a positive review wherever you listen and mention it to your friends. Thanks so much. Until next time. <laughs>